Well, good morning again as we are here together today, and this is Palm Sunday as we think about what Jesus endured for us, and uh, only a few days, only a little time till the crucifixion a week away, and we I'm so surprised, well, not really, at how fickle the crowd was. Here we have this one week where the crowd is saying, Hail, King of the Jews. They are welcoming him as they're laying down palm branches as Jesus is riding into town. And just a week later, probably very, very many of the same people are, are screaming out, Crucify him! Crucify him! One day you're crowned and the next day you're crucified. And that's the life that Jesus came to live and came to experience for us. Uh, The sound of hosannas had barely died down until we began to hear, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. And over these last few weeks, we've been unpacking the sayings of Jesus from the cross, those things that he said that were so powerful and I believe so meaningful as he is nearing the time of death. And we, we understand that when a person knows the timing of their death, meaning it's going to be near, they know that the end is coming. The things that we, we tell our family, the things that we say to others tend to be some of the, the most important things, the things that we've distilled through our life and we want our family and our friends and and those that know us uh, to be sure that this is what's important. This is what I want you to know. And I believe this is exactly what Jesus is doing there on the cross of Calvary as he is experiencing the pain, as he is experiencing the rejection from his own people, and as he is going through the uncertainty of what's going on and and why he is being rejected of God. He knew what was going on, but for the first time in eternity, he felt what was going on as he is enduring our sin, as he is enduring the penalty placed upon him for your sin and for mine. There are seven of these sayings. Father, forgive them. Today you will be with me, as he spoke to the criminal on the side of him. Woman, behold your son, as he says to his mother. Then as he turns to John, behold behold your mother. And he says, I thirst. And they gave him uh, the the vinegar solution. And uh, he, that was meant to, to deaden the pain. He takes a taste and he says, no, I don't want that. Uh, I believe he, Jesus, had to feel the full brunt of the pain that he was experiencing for you and for me. Uh, couldn't, wouldn't accept the anesthetic. And today we're going to be looking at it is finished. Jesus Christ accomplished everything on the cross of Calvary. Not partial payment, not an incomplete payment, not a down payment, but Jesus Christ paid the full and complete penalty, the full payment that was required for our sin on the cross of Calvary. And then the last words that Jesus says, his very last words, is, into your hands I commend my spirit. And the Bible says he gave up the spirit. He died. He chose, the Father chose the time of his death. Jesus said, 
Here it is. This is done. It is finished. I'm, my work is finished here on planet Earth. Into your hands I commend my spirit. So today we're looking at that sixth saying from the cross. It is finished. And we see in John, the Gospel of John, chapter number 19 and verse number 30. So when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, It is finished. And bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. And we see some words here. We see some meaning in this word of Jesus. Actually, one word in the Greek that Jesus spoke, but it is, uh, for us, uh, it is translated into, it is finished. So we see, first of all, I believe, the word of completion. So many of us on earth leave tasks undone when we die. There are things that we wanted to accomplish. There are things that we wish we could have accomplished. Uh, maybe some of you have a bucket list. And there are some who, who have, I want to do this before I die. I want to see the Grand Canyon. I want to whatever. And for many, it's things that are important that most people want. You know, I want to see uh, my children marry, and I want to see this. But some don't always get to complete everything. Uh, the pen drops from the writer's hand. The painter's brush falls before the painting is done. The chisel tumbles from the grip of the sculptor. But Christ is the great finisher. Jesus Christ completed everything that God had for him. Think about that. Everything, no task left undone. Jesus went everywhere he was supposed to go. Jesus took every step he was supposed to take. Jesus saw everyone he was supposed to see. Jesus did everything he was supposed to do. Jesus performed every miracle he was supposed to perform. Jesus completed, Jesus fulfilled every single prophecy that had been spoken of him. Even on the cross, some of the things that Jesus said, he spoke it to fulfill prophecy. And the prophecy was done that knowing what he would do, and he did it knowing what was said. I know it's a conundrum, but uh, we know that Jesus did everything that he set out to do. He is the great finisher. He accomplished for us what has been set out to accomplish. Genesis chapter 2, verse 1. In creation, God looked at his creation and said what? It's good. He did everything that he, he created, everything he wanted to create. There was not, oh, wait a minute, I forgot, and he comes back. No, he didn't do that. He doesn't have to go back to the drawing board. He doesn't have to say, he doesn't have to take any more dust and, and form it into another human, a different kind of human being. No, he created one man, and he created one woman. He created the animal kingdom. He created everything that is, laid, put, placed every star, hung every star in space, and he said, it's good. It's finished. It's done. Uh, the new heaven and the new earth, Revelation 21, 6, that is going to come. That is going to be completed. John chapter 19, verse 30, the work of redemption is completed on the cross of Calvary. Jesus has bought us back out of the slave market of sin. So he has fully redeemed us, fully. We're fully bought and paid for. Think about that. We're not like a, I was um, with someone this week, and he was saying that they had bought a uh, bought a car, a smaller car to save gas, and, and when they decided, well, you know what, it's a little too, too small, and, and they were upside down on it. For those of you who don't know what upside down is on a car note, that means you owe more than it's worth. 
And you know what? We're never in that situation because God has paid for us in full. He has the deed. He has the, uh, he has everything that's that's needed because He finished that work on the cross of Calvary, completed all the requirements of the law. We see that in Colossians chapter two, verses fourteen through seventeen. Let's uh, look at that. Having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us. When in the, in the Old Testament and here in the first century, when someone was put to death for their crime, their, their crimes were listed out. And the punishment was listed out. Or, or really any crime that was committed, they would do their time and it was crossed out. They would pay their penalty, whatever it is, something that we know very little of today, and I believe should be reinstituted. If we reinstituted this, we would probably not need as many jails. Because in the Old Testament and in the beginning of the New Testament, the way, the way things were done, you commit a crime, you pay restitution. Literally, you pay restitution and then some interest and then some. Because when a person felt that they had paid back their debt to society, actually literally, they were able to be reintroduced into society, having taken care of their responsibility, not just placed in a cell and said, oh, we'll, we'll hold you for a while, and then we're done. And then they, when they're in the cell, they learn how to do more, uh, more crimes. And when they get out, there's this uh, recidivism rate that, that is just out the roof. And so they would scratch out when they had completed that. And so having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, what was what was our penalty for sin? Death. And so the Bible says that when Jesus died on the cross, the handwriting that was against us, our penalty was crossed out. It was done away with, which was contrary to us. And he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross, having disarmed principalities and powers. He made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. So let no one judge you in food or drink regarding a festival or a new moon or Sabbaths, which, is, which are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance is of Christ. And so Jesus took care of it all. Everything that was written against us, everything that was a penalty, he took care of it on the cross of Calvary. Jesus Christ also completed all of the Old Testament sacrifices. Because what were the sacrifices in the Old Testament looking forward to? They were a picture of what? Jesus. A lamb would be placed on the altar and burned upon the altar. That lamb was a picture of Jesus Christ, the perfect, sinless, spotless lamb of God, dying for our sin in our place. Old Testament sacrifices covered sin. Because they look forward to that day when the one who would completely take away sin would die on the cross of Calvary. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 11 through 18. And every priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. This was the Old Testament way. It was what God, it was what God told them to do. It was God's command. But they had to do it over and over again because it simply covered. It was a picture. 
but it never took away sins. It covered them. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. When someone sits down, what is it, what is it a picture of? They're done. They're completed. So Jesus Christ sits down at the right hand of God. Verse 13, from that time, waiting till his enemies are made his footstool. For by one offering, he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. But the Holy Spirit also witnesses to us. For after he had said before, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts and in their minds I will write them. Then he adds, their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. Now, where there is remission of these, there is no longer an offering for sin. So what did Jesus say on the cross? It is finished. No more need for an offering. No more need for a sacrifice. No more need for a priest that where we come and we bring an animal and he he cuts it apart and, and he lays it on the, on the altar and, and it's burned on the altar and the, 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 the incense or the smell goes up to God and God looks upon it and he's pleased with the sacrifice for our sin. What God did was he looked upon Jesus, the Lamb of God, and Jesus was able to say, it is finished. Jesus also completed all the suffering that was required to pay for our sins. We see that in 1 John chapter 1, verse 7. But if we... Walk in the light as he is in the light. We have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. And as the hymn says, Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Nothing that has nothing that we've ever done or nothing that we could ever do will ever take us out of the, the hand of God. Because Jesus paid it all so what we see first is this word this is a word of completion jesus christ finished it all but secondly it's a word of conquest it's completed but jesus was victorious on the cross of calvary jesus was a victor up from the grave he rose a victor from the dark domain Jesus Christ was victorious over sin and death and Satan. And it was with a loud cry that he said this. So in Matthew, we see that Matthew 27, 50, Mark 15, 37, and in Luke 23, 46. And when Jesus had cried out with a loud voice, we have to look back to what takes place in a crucifixion. Literally, a person who is crucified suffocates to death. They suffocate because they have to push themselves up with their feet to let out their breath. I believe it's to let out their breath. And so in order to be able to inhale and exhale, they have to be able to do this. And because they become so weak, they are no longer able to push themselves up They literally suffocate. And so imagine with me Jesus Christ with nearly all of his strength gone 
one last time, lifts himself up, grabs lungs full of air, and the Bible says, with a loud voice, Jesus says, Tetelestai! It is finished! And when Jesus had cried out with a loud voice, then he says, Father, into your hands, I commend my spirit. Having said this, breathes his last. So it's with a loud, victorious voice that Jesus says, It's finished. I'm done. It's complete. But I believe he cries it out with a loud voice because it's also a word of conquest, it's a word of victory. He had done it. It was complete. Not with a sigh of defeat, he says it, but with a cry of victory. We also see the promise in the Garden of Eden, Genesis 3.15. And I will put, this is God saying, he said, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed. This is part of the curse. And he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Jesus Christ conquered, defeated Satan on the cross, defeated death. Satan and all the demons were defeated at Calvary. We see that in Colossians chapter 2, verse number 15. Having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them. And uh, that, that brings me back to, to, the, uh, to the song back, I think it was in the early 80s, and I even forget the... I forget the song's name, and I forget the, the artist, but he's, he, uh, he's singing about uh, Satan laughing and saying, I've got you, Jesus, and Jesus coming there in the end, and he comes out victorious. So Jesus is making a spectacle of everyone who was against him, all of the principalities, the powers of the air, the demons and Satan who think they'd won. They've finally gotten God killed. He dies. But three days later, there he arose. Up from the grave he arose. So he's a victor. He is crying this out in victory. The crowd is calling, come, get yourself down off the cross. And we know that thousands of angels were at Christ's beck and call. He could have cried out and the angels would have come and rescued him. But Jesus stayed on the cross, defeating Satan. And think about this. We're not defeated Christians. There's no reason why we have to be mopey and wonder, oh, woe is me. Why is the world against me? Why are all these things happening to me? God is still in control. It's doing some, uh, in a lot of the grief work that, that we do. I was in a, a grief class for the past uh, couple of days, it, in the two days of the week, and one of the uh, the the people, one of the the gentlemen who had been through quite a bit, was telling his story. Uh, I won't go into a lot of detail, but this was back a uh, number of years ago in Kansas. He had been to a wedding. On his way home, he, his wife. And their four children were in their minivan on the way home, torrential downpour. 
Uh, that area is a lot of uh, dry area that they were passing through. But it was dropping rain, I believe, at the rate of, I think they said, seven or eight inches per hour. And a small creek had overflowed its, its banks. And they were saying that, forget how many tens of thousands of gallons per minute were rushing over the road. And it, was, it was dark. Windshield wipers were going. And they were following a semi. And they go into the, the water begins to splash. They have to slow down. The minivan, uh, the engine dies. And they're pushed up against the, the barrier. And he says, the barrier gave way. And he says, the water pushed them over. And they, he, his wife, and I think two, three of his children were uh, he broke. He did break out the the driver's side window to try to get out, but they were sucked out of the vehicle. Long story short, he is the only one that survived. They found his wife in a in a holding pond two miles from the interstate. One of his children still strapped into the car seat. One year later, after it, the 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 instructor that was there actually had interviewed and had had filmed it over and over again. And then 10 years later, he was able to say, even that soon after, he said, God was always in control. It didn't take God by surprise. He said, people ask me, where was God? He said, I know where God was. He said, because I know where my family is. I will see them again one day. And over and over he kept talking about, and he, uh, since then, uh, he was was an engineer. He went back to work for six weeks. Uh, He said, God has something else for me. Uh, Now he's in full-time ministry, and he has started. uh, Two of his children were orphans that they had adopted. And since then, he opened a, a home for orphans in India, I believe it was, named it after his wife. And he has since uh, opened up uh, four other homes, each named after their children. And he is building orphanages all around the world. Uh, He says, God's not finished. And he said, this is not in vain. So over and over, we realize we're not defeated Christians. Even though death may come here, we know that we're safe and secure in the arms of Jesus. And so no matter what happens to us, God is in control. We're equipped to win because we have a victorious Christ. He accomplished it all on the cross of Calvary when he lifted himself up and cried out with a loud voice, it is finished. Now, I know I brought you all down, (laughs) but what what we know that these words are words of comfort because when we are in the midst of pain. Now we talked, remember we talked last week about Jesus identified with sinners. Jesus knew exactly what it was like to be uncertain. God, Father, why have you forsaken me? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So there was that element of uncertainty. 
We, have, we know there are a lot of people that go around, walk around on planet Earth and going, what's life all about? What's all this mean? And he dealt with that. Jesus dealt with the pain that, that we go through. Jesus dealt with rejection. He knew exactly what it was like. So these are words of comfort. The debt of our sin really is paid. That ought to be a comfort to us. One word in the Greek language, as I said, to telestai, it is finished. Words of comfort. It's a word for tax receipts, paid in full. Word for that bill of sale, paid in full. Our sin, debt, was upon us. Jesus made it possible for it to be written, paid in full. Doesn't it feel nice to have a bill paid? Doesn't it feel nice not to owe someone? And when it can say paid in full, it's like you can breathe that sigh of relief. It's comforting, and it's, it's, it's a release. Our debt is paid in full. That word assures peace. Imagine what that word meant to the dying thief on the cross. Today, you'll be with me in paradise. Sins are forgiven. Today, you'll be with me in paradise. What peace this must have brought to his heart. And as we conclude, Christ has paid for our sin debt. Christ has paid your debt of sin completely and in full. All we need to do is trust Christ and we will, be del- we will be forgiven and we will be delivered from the penalty of our sin. We simply rest in His finished work on the cross for us. That's it. That's why Jesus says, I come to give you rest. You who are weary, you who are, uh, have, a, have heavy burdens. That's what religion had placed upon God's people. The heavy burden of doing all of these things in order to be right with God. And Jesus says, I come to give you rest. Those of you who are heavy laden, those of you who have this burden of when is enough enough? When have I done enough? When is it enough to be forgiven? Jesus says, just trust in me and my finished work on the cross and rest. Rest from your labor. Rest from trying to please him. Rest from trying to be good enough because we can't. His goodness, His death on the cross made it all possible. We're not defeated because Jesus Christ spoke those words of conquest, spoke those words of victory. He spoke the word of completion. He also spoke the word of comfort. We don't need to worry. He will never leave us. He will never forsake us. It's finished. Trust Him and you shall be saved. Let's pray. Lord God, this morning as we've looked into your word, heard the words of Jesus, it's finished. Lord, may we realize that we are not defeated Christians, but we walk in faith, we walk in power because of the one who saved us. Father, we pray for all those who do not know Christ, don't know what it's like to to have their sins forgiven. Lord, I pray that you'd help them to understand and realize that all we need to do is trust in you and receive that free gift of eternal life. Father, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.